Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming, presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here this live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. Uh, our topic today is fandoms. <laughs> But before fandoms, we get to that, huh? Yeah, fandoms. We don't know any. I don't. I know nothing about that. Uh, but before we get to that, who are you two for the fine folks who may not know? Um, I'm Mitra Jordan, and I'm a registered clinical counselor working in Victoria, BC. I work with families, sometimes with youth. Uh, I'll work with most people. A lot of the people I work with, more than you would imagine, end up somehow talking about games um, and screen time and related issues. And we end up uh, also discussing um, what restores them and helps them and what they find valuable as a resource in their lives. And fandom can certainly be that. So. Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, I'm Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. And I am a clinical psychologist in Washington State, clinical director at TakeThis.org, wonderful mental health nonprofit that serves the geek and gamer communities. And I am an expert on the applied use of role-playing games in clinical and learning settings. And I would just like to say that I, I, I really don't know anything about fandoms at no, all I, Not I i don't know why we're gathered today i don't know to talk about it's so weird i just i don't know <laughs> audio <laughs> listeners really missed out there i apologize no this is no, this good, gag. good gag. <laughs> um yeah the <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to keep holding this. It's isometric exercise. Please do. Please do. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I feel like this was kind of an inevitable topic to come up on the show, especially since, you know, this was this is a show that was for mental health and gaming and gaming has a lot of fandoms in it. Does um, it? It does here or there. Um, I'll be chickered. All right. I know. They just sneak up on you. Um, but, you know, I do. I feel like most people might know what we mean by fandom, but there's probably a lot of people that don't. What do we mean when we say fandom? Well, I mean, we, it's any sort of, it's any sort of group or activity with, with which we identify and enjoy. Um, it, it can be a game. It can be a book. It can be a, a genre. It can be a sports team. It can be an activity. It can be all sorts of things. Um, it's a very broad, broad term. Yeah, I mean, I think to put it simply, since 
you know, people have been involved in activities, particularly where there's like sports teams, or if you think about the medieval period, I'm assuming there are some people who had a favorite night. Hey, we role play that sort of thing in D&D often enough. But you know what I mean? There's just there's, there's things that people enjoy. They want to get together and talk about it. Mm-hmm. They form groups about it. Um, there's a reason People Magazine exists, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because we talk about people who are public figures, often in entertainment, and there are fandoms or groups of fans around those kinds of those individuals and their movies or the things they do or the things they love and then of course there's sports teams and of course there's games and gaming and um i don't know that there's a lot of mental health fandom a little sad about that frankly but <laughs> i don't know i actually you know i i find a lot of young fans in the world uh that oh people- the people True. who the people I know who are into young seem to be really into young. I've literally see, seen a young uh fucking like uh, uh figure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I uh, have Ar- a Freud figure. Yeah, the, oh, the one from figure? Archie McPhee. Oh, I have yeah. the Freud oh. action figure. I was actually given it. Yeah, I was given it when I was doing my internship. I was given it by someone who knew I was feeling kind of stressed about thesis writing, and um and they gave me this Freud action figure. There you go. It's just the sweetest thing. So does he have like diagnosis action? He, no, he, he's got he's he's looking stern and he has his cigar. Oh, there we go. And I uh, mean, on the note, it said, "I'm afraid you're never going to make money in this field." <laughs> it did not. Oh, Harsh. <laughs> Actually, though, interesting point about this is that I remember reading about someone who kind of um, brought up things about Freud in the Freudian inner circle and, you know, Freud archives that people weren't super happy about. And he got kind of crucified. Um, and um, that's a harsh word, but really he his career kind of ended and he went through a lot because of that. And the point is that people will protect things that they love and want to believe in. And this, I would say, is one of the, shall we say, dark sides of fandom is like the desire to sort of um, want to um, not just support, but defend something. Yeah. 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 And I mean, we... We I, all of us do it to a certain degree, um, mm-hmm. because I mean, for a variety of reasons that, you know, there's a sunk cost idea to to us spending our time engaged in something that we find value in when that's devalued we tend to take it personally mm-hmm. um it is one of the things that we talk about fairly well i should say I, the royal way that one of the things that we talk hold on i need my tr as i say that. yeah where's your tr- um, definitely hold on hold on hold on there we go hold on oh uh, yes one of the things that we talk about is uh that no, the uh that w- people are not rational we're rationalizing Mm-hmm. And uh, the and so often we over defend some of our fandoms just to just to maintain our our own social identity as a part of it because that social identity is a big part of 
why we engage in fandoms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I, yeah. I, b- before we get into to that exactly, like we, we this kind of came uh, when we were talking about like, there's no mental health fandom, but like we're, we're not exclusively talking about like nerdy things here. Like mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. really fandom is anytime there is a group of people that have yeah. the interest about thing. something. Yeah. Like, I <laughs> like that in the notes. We just have sports ball counts. Uh, yeah, no, sports ball counts. Absolutely. Yeah. I, movies, I, certain movies oh, yeah. and their franchises, you know, think Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, going back a long way, they were some of the first merch, I think, they, that sort of mm-hmm. um, lunch boxes and all of that. Um, I don't know that it had been as much of a thing prior to that. So, but I'm. What? So, the, um, f- f- fandoms? No, um, the sort of merch and dolls and things that comes out oh. of, of children's toys as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but if we think about it, like there is a lot of merchandise and things you can buy to proclaim your um, connection to a certain fandom, whether it be a sports team or mm-hmm. um, music uh, bands and stuff or movies. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what exactly <laughs> is it like... What level of thing does it kind of have to reach for it to be a fandom? Well, I mean, so uh, a lot of the research that's been done on fandom hasn't been psychological. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's been anthropological. It's been ethnographic. And so we're looking at things like um, a lot of people would consider fandom to be a subculture of a larger group. And like any culture, the, these subcultures, they share certain things. Like they share a language, they share history, they, cert- they share certain values, they, they share art. Um, and like if, okay, if, if you were a Seattle Mariners fan, all three of them, and, the, and I were to mention the double from 1995, you would know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Because within the history of Seattle Mariners baseball, that was a momentous event. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it it brings up all sorts of memories for the, the people who were there to see it and witness it. Um, there, I mean, there's literally artwork created about that moment. Yeah. Um, mm. And that it's, a, if a re- it's a reference point. Uh, but we see that in other things as well. Like, I mean, heck, my own my own organization that I work for. Take this. Yeah, it's if a I follow if I follow that up with it's dangerous to go alone. People who are longtime, you know, gamers, especially yeah. of that series, know what I'm talking about, and yeah. it's a subtle way of indicating we're part of the in group. We're gamers too, right? <clears throat> Yeah. The, yeah. The, the the thing that we we have written down, yeah, is is exactly what you're talking about there with the the Mariners being the the perfect example of it. And I think I really do think language. Though I, I need to ch- I need to chime in. I was there for that game, by the way. So for those <laughs> okay. of you, those of you who those what? of you who are like thinking I'm ragging on Mariners fans, I am because I've been in Seattle my whole life. I, I can't wait for you to to be the old man. They're just like I was there and I was there for that game. And Randy Johnson was going to throw out the first pitch. (laughs) But I I really do think that language 
uh, is I think that's probably one of the most noticeable things, you know, outside of merch and whatnot. But even but even like the merch and stuff, it probably has some reference to language um, that everyone is responding to. So with, with with all that in mind, that definition of everything, why do we love this stuff? Like why why do we why do people enjoy being in fandoms? Well, you can be part of, um, first of all, it's a way of figuring out or finding a sense of belonging. If you are, if you have a common point uh, or a common point. Sorry, I'm just, reading, I, I'm just reading the comments about the Mariners. And the, I, I am a, I'm a lifelong Seattle resident and these are gold. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, geez. Sorry, what are we saying I, see, but this is Sorry, a perfect example. This is a perfect yeah. example, right? This is kind of a shared reference point. That's what we're talking about. Like that, it's it's about finding shared reference points and feeling a sense of inclusion in something. Mm -hmm. And it's also um, an opportunity to kind of discuss something you love. And it's sometimes a safe topic to get into, right? We don't always want to wade into politics and religion. Um, so... Here's a lovely conversation you can have over a shared interest and something you're both passionate and curious about. And, and that's wonderful, right? That's connecting. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the point. Yeah. We always seek to connect. So. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, I, I, um, I mean, even now, as I'm looking at the chat, looking at uh, it, it, part of it is also creating a sort of in-group and out-group dynamic. Like I've now seen three comments ragging on the Rays, um, the 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 Tampa Bay Rays, mm -hmm. and the the I, I saw the Florida Marlins late, you know, named in this as well. And it often it sets up this dynamic of at least we're better than. And right. there's this social comparison that goes on. Uh, frequently, not always. And sometimes it's jokingly. I mean, friendly rivalries do exist. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, friendly rivalries definitely exist, but sometimes it's serious and it creates, it creates um, this, uh, you know, it creates a, a social comparison. Um, yeah. I, I loved what the, I think it was the New York times who did the, did this recently with their crossword puzzle. And it was, Oh. And it, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The eight letter two word answer where it worked in either case, Star Wars or Star Trek. Yep. And the clue was the best sci-fi franchise. Yep. Perfect. What a great example. The, yeah. I, I, I like I suck at crossword puzzles, but every time I hear about something that they do with that. Absolutely love it. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly making a point. Really yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like like the I I know another thing uh, that people love about fandoms, like especially in the, the the nerdy ones, is is the creativity, like being able to do art off of it. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, heck, I got into podcasting because I made a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's because I loved that fandom. So oh god, he's reaching for that. Yeah, there it is. There it is. It's coming back. There we go. <laughs> Branding. Um, but yeah, it's because. <laughs> It was because I, I loved that so much that I wanted to do something creative with it. Um, and I, I do think that is something that can be 
like the the sense of community and this and being able to be creative i definitely think is one of there's two of the things that really do make fandoms so appealing is because it gives you the sense of community it gives you this chance to be creative in a way that you may not have been before mm-hmm. um what 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 are some other things that can come along with fandoms though well, how, how about just connection? I mean, it's it, and we talked about this. We we talked about this in the in the the pre production meeting that it seems like no matter what you're into, whatever hobbies you're into, there's at least one other person who shares that interest in the world. Mm-hmm. And one of the beauties of the internet is that it allows us to connect mm-hmm. and share that. You know, before three days ago. I did not know that there was a thriving marketplace for both Cracker Jack prizes going back to the 19th century, yep. as well as Cracker Jack boxes. Yep. I did not know that. It's pretty remarkable what people like to collect and how they join um, and also end up in rivalries over collecting because, of course, these things are long out of date, so they're not available. So there's a whole, um, you know, cachet around the rarity of them or around being able to collect them and the provenience, like what's around them at the time that they were created. Yeah. Yeah. Mitra, you mean you don't? You don't collect uh, Cracker Jack boxes pre Frito Lay acquisitions. <laughs> you, you actually, you know what? Here's something weird, and I'm going to do something I don't usually do. Pre Frito Lay. That that's <laughs> what killed me. I got to take a moment with that one. That's I'm the one sh- that got me. Pre Frito Lay. <laughs> All right. Well, my two. Okay. What were you going to say? Here. What were you going to okay, say? You- I was going to say. Do you see this little thing? Yeah. Okay, that is actually from a cereal box from, I believe, the early 1950s. Whoa, that's cool. That's cool. Now, here's the really interesting thing about this. Um, My grandmother used to have two of them, and they were in her sewing kit. And they came out of, I believe, a Cocoa Pops box. And Mm -hmm. it was a cereal that my mom and aunt liked when they were really little. And... um, I don't really know. Actually, I think my aunt might have my grandmother's one, but um, there were two of them and I don't remember what color the other one was. But the interesting thing about this is that um, when Eric's grandmother died um, and we were putting all her, we were sort of carefully looking at the items and what to save. And um, this is one of the things I found. Oh, in her sewing that's kit. That's really sweet. In her sewing kit. Oh, in the exact wow. same place my grandmother kept hers. That's so, that's amazing. Right? So, yeah. you know what? It's really interesting that we talk about people collecting these things in some ways for the sake of collecting them, but sometimes when they've collected a thing, it has yeah. a kind of a profound emotional connection right. for others when they're not even necessarily part mm-hmm. of that time and place, but it mm-hmm. evokes so much. Right. So, yeah. 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 Well, and it, these, it's, it's not just specific groups or franchises. It can be just hobbies. Um, as mm-hmm. you were talking about this, this provide cooking mm-hmm. provides me a connection to gener, you know, multiple generations of my family. Um, 
I, I just realized that everybody in my, everybody in my family cooks, like everybody cooks and it's what we do when we get together. And I'm mm-hmm. um, actually the, I'm about to do a woodworking project that I uh, restores a, uh, a cutting board. I'm going to, that three generations of my paternal family have used. Uh, it, it is very old that's awesome and, I, and i'm looking forward to doing it yeah and mm-hmm. when i brought this up with people this allows me to connect with people who are interested in genealogy yeah who are interested in woodworking yeah who are interested in cooking and bringing just this single project up has allowed me to connect with all of those people and feel a sense of not only connection but validation yeah as a person. And that's something we seek when we seek out these fandoms, um, including status. We've, of course, got these people who are elite yeah. within fandoms. Yes. Yeah. And that's one of the problems that emerges within mm-hmm. fandoms that we talked about, uh, or we're talking about now, but we kind of discussed it ahead of time as well. Um, and that's the gatekeeping element. Yeah. That can be the dark and, side and, of it, certainly. And the, yeah. the idea that I'm somehow um, a better fan than you mm-hmm. because I'm more informed. Um, I know more about this. Yeah. Um, we're talking about canon now and I am an authority. You know, you just got something wrong. It wasn't episode five. It was episode seven. Yeah. How could you not know that? You yeah. complete and utter moron. And that's <laughs> oh the feeling. God. Yeah, no, I get but it. That I get is, it. You know what? And then it's so it's so it's not inclusive in yeah, that no. instance, right? We've yeah. talked about this before, how people can exclude people because they're more elite than you. Right. Right? They know more than you. Well, and so and they also have more personal special. value. Right. Because they've been doing this longer than you. I mean, we see that this is this is a topic um I see discussed within the D community um amongst certain folks I know. Um I I see a couple of them in the chat that we we might get a little suspicious of people who when they introduce themselves and their affiliation with tabletop role playing game one of the first things out of their mouth is how long they've been dming what edition did you start yeah on? yeah right yeah. yeah well yes yes and no um but very specifically that uh, without mm-hmm. It for me the big red flag is hi I'm so and so and I've been DMing oh, unprompted oh, for you I know X many years which somehow social you know subtly makes them quote you know more elite in this right. than I am it's very not welcoming and I see in the chat that someone was mentioning the the, the Ravelry community um, and knitting and crochet and fiber arts yeah you know it's it's really interesting I find that. Sometimes, depending on which forum and which community, it can be inclusive, but it can also quickly either be or become exclusive. Mm -hmm. And Uh I mean, we join or want to be part of these kinds of communities so that we can learn things, try new elements of of, of a hobby, um, get better at knitting or sewing or crochet or whatever it is. Um, And it's no different than any other hobby community in that it can include or exclude and make you feel like, oh, you're just not quite good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like somehow yeah. there's an entrance exam, you know? Well, you didn't know that was coming. No, and it, nobody warned you to prep. And it's not even what you're looking for in your in the things you do to relax, 
to sink into, to take pleasure in. It has no place there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. It, 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 one of the questions I often ask myself, and I encourage people to ask themselves as they're engaging in some sort of fandom is why are you here? Yeah. Because it's, uh, I love the connection element of things and I'm very fortunate And this. And you know what, this is really ironic that uh, because I, I'm friends with writers for D and I'm friends with a bunch of the actual play folks because, you know, I'm, I'm peripheral to the industry. So yeah. I meet a lot of these folks and they're lovely, wonderful people. Um, I don't know their work nearly as well as other people in the fandom. And that kind of intimidates me sometimes mm. that um, many of the fans who consume the material are more ravenous about it than the people who create the material. I think that I think that is true in in a lot of places um, and um, like, like you know, people that work on a show that has a fandom around it. They that's their job. They're probably a lot more casual about it. Uh, and whatnot than the people that uh, get really invested in it. Um, this is okay. I'm gonna preface this. This is not me calling anyone in the fandom this character or anything, but misery is the the example that the author didn't. Oh yeah, the author didn't think it was a big deal. I just killed off the dude. Whatever. And that was this. And that was you're the, talking uh, about the Stephen King. Yeah, book. the Stephen King one. Yeah, yeah. Like the the author in the in the book didn't think that killing off the character was a big deal that's just what he did that's just what he wanted to do but it meant so much to this other person granted they were not stable uh <laughs> and uh they uh but it, it it's that sort of thing of just the example of like for people who are working on the thing that's just what they're doing like it, it, they're, they're probably not thinking about it with the same weight that uh fans might be it sounds mm-hmm. like what you're saying is that they're thinking about the story as a whole in that instance, right? Mm-hmm. The the entire arc yeah. of the story and what the story, what it, it means to them as yeah. an art form to create, right? And and what happens is that in that particular story, there's there's a fan um, of the character, yeah. not necessarily of the entire book that the author in the story is creating, but of Mm. a specific character who then, you know, so that would be like if we were very attached to a character in Game of Thrones. Uh, Actually, it's worse in Game of Thrones. Yeah, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Because because there's a lot of of people lose their lives in Game of Thrones. And you're really, the the character in Game of Thrones, I think of it is is really, it's it's the entire um that all of the seven kingdoms really yep. and the way those kingdoms seven? interact <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> i think uh, i said that a lot <laughs> i <laughs> i did not i did not really get into game of thrones i didn't i didn't and actually I, the reason i couldn't is because of all the dying i can't take it i really can't it's not yeah. you know but but you know we can we can sort of participate and be cross about it but yeah. that's no good but the point of this is is that yeah people get very invested in specific characters and when when we're talking about creativity we can talk about stories that have been written by fans about characters, writers who end up becoming 
published in their own right, but it was something that started with a fandom or with something that they loved so much that they were inspired to create uh, stories. And, you know, Twilight is a great example mm-hmm. of this um, because it led to Fifty Shades of Grey in yeah. the end, which, you know, not an intuitive leap, you wouldn't have thought, but there it is. Yep. Um and so there's a lot that comes out of this, some of which is very positive and some of which is very sort of like divisive in an interesting mm-hmm. way because yeah. you're, you're attached to a character in a fandom and you're like, oh, I'm team so-and-so. Yeah. Well, I'm team yeah. so-and-so. And that's kind of an interesting, it can be a, a fun little thing, but it can also kind of get mean. And well- that comes down to motivations. Like, why are you, why are you doing this? Like, are you there because you just happen to like it and, you know, certain friendly rivalries are fun or are you actually there to boost yourself up um, or by cutting someone else down? Yeah. Right. So we end up bringing ourselves wherever we go, mm-hmm. whatever environment um, we're displaying or being part of that that we're sharing in, we're going to bring us. Mm -hmm. And if us has issues, those will come out. They'll come out with our family. They'll come out with our friends and they might come out more aggressively in an anonymous forum somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, I just, I just had a thought Mm -hmm. and this is not something we talked about in the pre-production, but I just, (gasps) you know, Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, I was I was sitting here thinking about the idea of um, consent in fandoms. And mm. there is an element to reciprocal social consent in friendly rivalries mm. that both of you are getting something out of it. And even though outwardly it might look aggressive, there's also an understanding of connection because it's in fact friendly. Mm-hmm. But then there are other rivalries which are just straight bullying, yeah. which are meant yeah. to cut people down. And that is, you know, that's without understood social contract or consent. Um, like I um, one outside of the realm of of uh, entertainment, one of my dearest friends in life is a professional chef and a butcher. And he and I, we love different knives. Mm. He, he likes European knives. I like Japanese knives because they have a different angle on the cut. Their blades are ground at a different angle. And of course, mine is correct. <laughs> He's also incorrect about which Beatles album is the best. Uh, mm. Ironically, for the same reason, I chose I choose a different one. <laughs> His favorite Beatles album is my second favorite Beatles album and vice versa. Oh, that's but for funny. the exact same reason. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so you both connect over Beatles music and you both connect cooking. over cooking. And we, yet we often listen to the Beatles as we cook. Yeah. And you both have a bit yeah. of a rivalry, right. which is entertaining for you because it's so friendly. Yeah. And, and because it's, no it's, it's it's silly as well. It's right. kind of silly and friendly. I've got yeah. I've got a thought on that, but first let's take a quick break to remind our viewers and listeners of our disclaimer, and then I will discuss that. We will be mm-hmm. right back. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. 
We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Okay. Um oh, you know I said I was going to do the thing and then I forgot the oh, the 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 healthy rivalries. Um I I think that is like when it when it's close friends and whatnot, I feel like that is the that's the fun thing to do. I know I do that with my friends. Um when it comes to our stuff where like someone will bring up like, "Oh, well, you know, the best version of this is." And I just groan and go, "Not this. Let's not not this again." And like that is a that is a fun bit that my friends mm-hmm. and I have mm-hmm. about right. a fandom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I but we've 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 talked about the friendly rivalries. We've talked about this, but I know what keeps coming up in chat, and I know this is something we all feel very strongly about. Is the is some of the downsides, some of the darker sides that can happen, mm-hmm. and that includes you know things like gatekeeping, idealization of the people involved in these things, and also groupthink and social pressures. And I know very specifically, Mitra, you brought up something fascinating in our pre-production meeting about the social pressures to conform with groupthink. Okay. Wow. Very specifically <laughs> around yes, the Flat Earther documentary that you saw. Oh, right. Okay. So I, it was a really interesting documentary. It was quite, one of the things... It was yes around flat earthers. Um, I I personally am going to share that I believe the Earth is round, um, but I don't think we have to get into that one on here, <laughs> especially in chat. We definitely don't need to get into seriously, that. Seriously, I should seriously hope not. Anyway, the point of this was though that because you're defending a belief and idea that's quite marginal, I really hope it is. In any case. Be- you're defending a marginal belief and it's very uniting for that particular in-group. And because of this, there's also connections that have absolutely nothing to do with the belief about the shape of the earth, but rather about each person's life and each person's experience. And so it ends up being this really inclusive, quite caring group according to the documentary. And the curious thing about this was there were a couple of people who voiced their doubts about the shape of the earth, but were unwilling to really look for proof or test it out because they would then lose the group. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a really interesting point, which is what keeps people, where's the, there's a sort of level of peer pressure, but there's also the pressure to continue engage in, to engage in your community because should your beliefs change, you lose your community. Mm-hmm. Well, and a significant part of your history. And we see that not yeah. only in these subcultures, but in larger cultural groups as well. Um, I know that uh, numerous things have been written about this from, um, from various religious perspectives that uh, when when people have come to disagree with family members over various religious aspects, especially more insular religious communities and 
they essentially have to give up the entire community that they grew up with in order yeah. to break away from that. And that itself creates all sorts of um, literal trauma in, in their life. Um, so this, uh, that community aspect that you brought up is a huge, huge pull. Yeah. You lose your social support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, how do we do life without our resources? Right. Um, and not just our social supports, but as you say, you know, that may mean that some people have to leave their community. Mm-hmm. So they're leaving their home. They might be leaving their livelihood. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those right. are instances they have to where start, they have to start over. They do. And I think, you know, we, we might say, yeah, but fandoms don't involve that. Well, it really depends on how much of a community you formed with your fandom and how big of a, of a part of your life that it is. So potentially right. it could be pretty devastating to someone. Gosh, I'm trying to think about what, what life would be like if I suddenly gave up gaming. Because I've been doing, I mean, you know, I've been doing this for so long, and so many of my friends, you know, being being ostracized as an undiagnosed autistic kid in the '80s, the gaming really was my refuge, and I've I've still got relics of that, including like the first sixty issues of Nintendo Power. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to to say, to simply give a context point of how long I've been doing this and how much of my life has involved this and how many of my mm. friendships have been built up on this. And mm-hmm. I wonder, I, you're making me wonder what it would be like for me to suddenly not do video games and tabletop gaming anymore. I really would have, that would be very difficult for me. Yeah. I, I Even casually, I didn't even realize I was doing this. I mean, I'm wearing a, a polyhedral bracelet. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm wearing my polyhedral dice top, one of my, one of my polyhedral dice ties. And I wasn't even thinking about that. Mm. Yeah. So these, it's, it's such a big part of your life. And yeah, for me, I grew up reading Tolkien. I grew up with The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And I distinctly remember there was a point at which there was an awful lot of upheaval in my life. There was divorce and separation and moving countries and all kinds of stuff. And one of the things that really helped me through that time was um, reading Lord of the Rings. Because I think at the start of it, I had just about finished The Hobbit And then I was able to start the Fellowship of the Rings. And it was a really lonely time at that point in my life. And it was wonderful to actually have those stories. Um, We won't really talk about what the Hobbit movie was like. (laughs) Well, even then, I mean, we've got we've got opinions on this and Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. can devolve that. As many people in the chat have brought up uh, that fan is short for fanatic and that that becomes that double-edged sword um do, do you feel like that definition of fanatic is like do you feel like when someone says i'm a fan of something like fanatic fits that or is that more like fan has become its own different thing i i think fan has become its own different thing because i'm a i'm i'm a casual fan of all the sports ball teams in seattle um I, you know, some of them I follow a little bit more closely than others, but none I really devote my time to because I got other stuff to do. Um, I am a fan in general of tabletop RPGs, but uh, despite, despite all of my friends who are involved in so many wonderful actual plays, I don't, I don't religiously follow any of them. Um, I, sorry, I, I will show up periodically and root for them. Um, 
because, and I will appreciate the technical savvy with which they do these things, but I, I don't have the attention span to sit down for three hours mm. every week um, and follow these things. I, I honestly, my working memory is such that I have a hard time. I legitimately had a hard time following Tolkien. Um, God, whatchamacallit. Um, d- d- dragon face make terrible season. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> What? Oh, this, this brings up, um, it's something I've been meaning to mention around fandom. I was thinking about it yesterday. I was thinking about how, like, um, if you start engaging with a fandom, right. And then you realize there's like, 150 gazillion episodes of something <laughs> and like I, I I was never into this with my kids one or two of them got into Naruto for a while yeah. and then it's like um the catching up yeah. aspect of fandom is actually really quite tough for some people mm-hmm. and then if you've got this sort of I know more than you or I'm more into it than you it's like there's no contest you know there because there's no way I could engage in it Um, as deeply as some people do, for instance, right? So I couldn't do eight seasons of the Game of Thrones. Um, Dragonface McTerrible season? (laughs) Dragonface McTerrible season. I I think, actually, Game of Thrones kind of lost me as soon as Bran was pushed out the window, which is (laughs) very very, early, so I don't think I'm giving anything away. It is! I know! It's the first episode, and I'm like, nope, can't do it. That's fair. I'm done. That's fair. I'm done. Yeah. Um, were there any other, uh, downsides to fandoms that we wanted to discuss? Oh, idealization, Mm. idealization of the people involved, you know, that Mm. whole idea that don't meet your heroes. Um, you know, when we're, when just psychologically speaking, when we're removed from something and we are not exposed to it on a daily basis or even on a regular basis, um, we have the ability and to essentially imagine it like we want. Mm-hmm. And that is, that has upsides and downsides. Like maybe you can, you know, live your life in a direction that you imagine someone you admire to be, but those people, everybody you meet is just as flawed as any other person in your life. And they've got different pressures on them. Like how many of us have heard stories about celebrities who were rude to, to their fans. And I was just saying, hi, well, what you didn't maybe understand is that you were the 50th person who said hi to them in the last hour. And they were out of, they, they didn't have any patience to give. And that ruined the image that you had of them. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're, they're just as complicated and flawed as you are. But we, when we have these idealized images, I, I had a point to that. I'm not entirely sure where I was going with that, but I think that's, that's a really great point. It's this whole idea of, you know, all heroes 
are humans who have feet of clay, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's this idea of what the kind of pedestal that we put them on and then the kind of disappointment and then sharing that disappointment online and, you know, and being disappointed in someone, you know, and if if I even think about um, parasocial relationships and, you know, people on YouTube and they connect and communicate Mm -hmm. with with their fans and with those who comment. Um, But it's like, oh, I'm going to just make up an example. It's like, Will, I thought, you know, your channel was all about being vegan. And now you're telling me that you're not going to be vegan anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and meanwhile, that individual was like, yeah, you know, I tried it for some years and I just started to feel more and more sick or whatever. And I have nothing against whole food, plant based diets. I'm just using the example of someone a person may have followed and that mm-hmm. someone was then disappointed because they didn't continue to hold up the flag that that particular fan wanted them to. And the ways in which that can turn into aggression Mm -hmm. at the individual who's just trying to live their life and is no different than you or me in some ways, at least they may have specific talents or gifts, but, you know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that idealization is, you know, that, that can be a, that, that can be a little bit of a problem when and if you meet people because it, it you don't necessarily the image you have in your brain of how they are supposed to be doesn't necessarily allow the space for how they actually are oh that was better i like that better yeah i like that um one of the other ones that we that we have in here uh the the social pressures and group think what what exactly is can be the downside of that well, I th- didn't we bring? Do did we talk that up uh, with uh, Mitra's flat earther thing? Oh, my apologies. I, no, no, I think that's that's good. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, and, and that in-group, out-group mentality that mm-hmm. comes from it. Yeah, yeah. Of being better than that, creating social that creating that sort of uh, validation for at least we're not that group. Mm-hmm. Right. So then what is what is a way to navigate these sort of things in a healthy way? Well, I think that recognizing that if you're engaging in fandom, that it can also be a source of friendship and it can be a way to engage with resources and a sense of community. But it's important to pay attention to how it's feeling for you, right? Um So to go back for a second to the whole Ravelry group example, there are some some, um, um, forums, well, there's a forum and there are some groups within that that are actually quite positive. And so again, one person's experience might be really different from another, but both are true. So really holding the space that while I or you may have had a great experience with a specific fandom, that another person hasn't, is part of their equally valid experience so that we don't determine, oh my gosh, I had a terrible time engaging in whatever. There's something wrong with me because the other person had a great time. You know, don't ever devalue or dismiss your own response to something because it's telling you something important. Um, We all have a desire to feel connection um, and we're going to look for it, particularly if it's something that we that's esoteric and we don't really know if other people are going to be as into it. And then there's this little group of people who get it. 
it's really important to diversify. You know, it's great to have that community and to be part of it. And it's also important to diversify your own interests and curiosities so that you're not relying on any one group as a resource. To, to sort of build on that, um, the, the metaphor I like to use is uh, table legs. The more table, the more legs you have on the table, the more stable it becomes if one of them's kicked out. Um, and it doesn't have necessarily as much risk of toppling. Um, if, yeah, if something, one aspect is kicked out and I like, I like what Mitra said about essentially diversifying those interests. Um, I know I brought up the idea of ask yourself why you're engaging. Do you, are you mm. doing it? Are you doing it because you want to connect with people? Are you doing it because you want to build your social group? Are you doing it because you want to feel validation and elitism? Um, because both of those things are very different. And we've talked about this in a previous episode where we talked about gatekeeping. I personally love, love, love introducing people to a fandom, a TV show, a franchise, a movie series, um, partially because I get to see them experience it fresh. They mm -hmm. don't have to know anything about it and they get to experience it fresh. I love getting to vicariously enjoy people's new sense of wonder and bring them into a fan group to the level that they want to be engaged. Um, Cause also now we have something in common that we can talk about and that's a wonderful thing. I don't want to push them out. I want to bring them in. And I think that you said something very important in there as well. Actually, all of it was important, if I, may, if I may say. But the piece that stood out for me was to the level that they want to engage. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when an individual or a group is welcoming in that way, it's really positive and it doesn't feel like pressure. Mm -hmm. But when someone wants you to love a thing as much as they do, it can feel like a lot of pressure. And that isn't fair to the relationship that you and that person have. Right. Um, so I think it, the inclusivity and the sort of just curiosity about, well, how did you like that? You know, is fantastic. Right. I've, you know, we all try to introduce those we care about and our friends to things that we enjoy um, and that we can share because it broadens that um, broadens that big platter of what it is we can share and enjoy. And that's mm -hmm. important because, again, then it's not just one thing. Right. Because yeah. it's very difficult if you have a person in your life where you're really just communicating over one thing. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that often doesn't happen in fandoms where there are people who are connected to each other. They're often going to also start talking about their lives. They're often going to build friendships. And mm -hmm. that's the really positive aspect of it. Yeah. But no, yeah. It's, a, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. uh, I think another good thing to add is something that uh, Dr. B brought up, I mean, long time ago on the show is the, uh, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen that yet. And two, yes. oh, I'm yeah. so excited for you to get to watch this. Oh, my yes. God. Oh, yeah. I am so envious of everybody I introduced to The Good Place when they get to the I'm end of season one and I get to see their reaction. Yeah. That is a blessing upon me that mm -hmm. I get to be there for them watching the end of season one. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the that's it's such a beautiful thing. And in that way, it's no different than saying, hey, come and enjoy this work of art with me or come see this beautiful sunset or, hey, do you love cats as much as I do? I don't know. Do many people love cats as much as I do? No. Well, probably. Oh, there are definitely <laughs> cat sure people on the Internet. People. No doubt. No doubt. We have proven that <laughs> beyond a shadow of a doubt. But yeah, that's fun. That's what's fun. That's what allows us to rest, I think. Yeah. So. Well, um, and okay. even people who are, I'll, I'll make this brief, Trevor, um, even people who are more quote unquote elite within the hierarchy of those social circles, they can be elite as a source of knowledge and inclusion because they are just, they happen to be more dedicated or they can be elite in a source of exclusion and hierarchical structure setting. And the way they go about that is really important. Yeah. Um, so uh, we their discussions went a little long, but that's totally fine because they were good discussions. Uh, so I'm just going to grab one question that we've got from uh, from chat uh, while we were talking, which is from oh my gosh, that is a lot of letters and numbers. Yoza six 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 X. I'm going to say that. I'm gonna say that's how you say that. Uh, why do these major fandoms tend to be more for entertainment? Like why do why do they seem like the 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 big ones are all around entertainment things? That's such a great question. I don't know because I'm I, I mean like anything I say would be pure speculation. But my first guess is because we like to be entertained. Are you not entertained, Mitra, Trevor? I am always entertained. Well, I shouldn't say always. I'm often. Entertained. Are you not entertained? <laughs> Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that there's something to that. And I also think that entertainment is where we rest, right? It's, it's a way to um, set aside our worries um, and our cares, if you will, and just kind of enjoy something. And humans definitely have since the beginning of previous to recorded time enjoyed being entertained by things. It's part of our sense of play. It's part of what makes living worthwhile. And so the fact that we get passionate and excited by the things that entertain us really isn't a surprise. Um, more than that, I couldn't say because I'm not the person researching this stuff. I'm just the person curious about its effect on mental health. It's fair. Um, well, I think that is a good place to wrap up our conversations for this week. Uh, friends, where can people find you on the interwebs if they would like to do so? On Twitter, right here at, at Mitra Jordan, and of course at MitraJordan.com. And uh, I'm, I'm around. You can find me on most social platforms at the Dr. B. That's T H E E D O C T O R B as in boy. But more importantly, follow takethis.org at takethisorg on most social platforms and go check out some of the free resources and mental health uh, educational materials that we have on our website. I'm definitely a fan of Take This and also, yes, cats. <laughs> I may have made a custom controller. Oh, I love Aww. that. That's so cute. That's Looks perfect. great. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there, uh, and uh, all the way too many podcasts I do. And you can find me anywhere the Idol Champions community is. Uh, thank you to Jay and Martin for moderating in the chat and day and do a fantastic job. And thank you for codename. Thank you to Codename Entertainment and take this for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions. Uh, if you uh, missed any part of the show, you can catch it later as a podcast on your favorite podcast service. Eventually, we'll see what time it is. I got to take lunch, and then I got meetings. Uh, if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like us to talk about, you can send those to champions of psychology at codenameentertainment.com or tweet them at us. Uh, for those of you that are live with us right now, uh, let's see, we got uh, Bardic Inspiration immediately after this, uh, so don't miss that. And then we've got uh, a full list of shows for the rest of the week. But uh, like I said, that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next week, take care of yourself. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.